five-sixths of the medieval part of the city of London, including 13,000 houses and 84 churches, were destroyed by the Great Fire of London that lasted four days in total. That was a disaster zone where everything was lost and people were in despair. And where, I wonder, is hope to be found in such situations? Of course, we know very well what happened afterwards. King Charles II invited architects, surveyors, and engineers to present alternative plans. And although many of his plans were actually unrealized, Sir Christopher Wren and others then rebuilt the city in a new way using better materials. That is the starting point for an exhibition at the Royal Institute of British Architects, which is entitled Creation from Catastrophe, How Architecture Rebuilds Communities. And it's an exhibition that explores the varying ways in which cities and communities have been reimagined in the aftermath of natural or man-made disasters. The publicity for the exhibition notes that around our world and throughout our history, disasters are frequent occurrences, some natural, many more due to man's ham-fisted neglect of our planet or our inability to get by without recourse to violence. The result, though, is always the need for a new start and how we respond and rebuild colors an uncertain future more than ever. Yet for all the carnage and chaos that catastrophes bring, an odd truth is apparent. Disasters do give us the chance to shape things differently. As a result, Terry Eagleton has written in a book called Hope Without Optimism, that the most authentic hope is whatever can be salvaged, stripped of guarantees from a general dissolution. It is whatever survives a general ruin. And that, I think, is where we find the writer of Lamentations, bowed down with the reality of exile, yet trusting that it is in the very nature of God to bring a new beginning from the disastrous affliction which he is experiencing, which is wormwood and gall to him. Similarly, Emily Dickinson in her poem claims that hope is heard most sweetly in the gale, the chillest land and on the strangest sea. We can see that in our world today. The Palestinian poet Murid Barghouti, reflecting on the Arab Spring and the current conflict in the Middle East, recently wrote this. Today, many see hope and optimism as obscene words. But nevertheless, he still found reasons to feel encouraged, despite the fact that in Egypt, the physical causes of the revolution which occurred on the 25th of January 2011, corruption, tyranny, and poverty, all those causes still exist and have an uglier face. 
In fact, he went on to say, the situation is so dire that it is not sustainable. The revolution is still possible because nothing else is. And Terry Eagleton again finds hope in the same place. Hope, he writes, is to be found in the unfinished nature of the actual, discernible as a hollow at its very heart. So potentiality is what articulates the present with the future and thus lays down the material infrastructure of hope. He's saying that hope is about a vision for the future and a vision for a future that is different from the present. One which therefore requires imagination and vision. For Christians, that vision is of the kingdom of God, which has begun to be realized in the present, but is still to come in the future in its full reality. And as a result, in a book called The Theology of Hope, Jürgen Moltmann argues that those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world, for the goad of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. If we had before our eyes only what we see, then we should cheerfully or reluctantly reconcile ourselves with things as they happen to be that we do not recognize, reconcile ourselves, that there is no pleasant harmony between us and reality is due to our unquenchable hope. This hope keeps man unreconciled until the great day of the fulfillment of all the promises of God. The church then is intended to be the source of continual new impulses towards the realization of righteousness, freedom, and humanity here in the light of that promised future which is to come. Our hope should provide us with inexhaustible resources for the creative, inventive imagination of love. It should constantly provoke and produce thinking of an anticipatory kind in love to humanity and the world, in order to give shape to the newly dawning possibilities in the light of that promised future. Thus, it will constantly arouse a passion for the possible in us, inventiveness and elasticity in self-transformation, in breaking with the old and coming to terms with the new. The Christian hope, Moltmann argues, should always have a revolutionary effect in this sense on the intellectual history of the society affected by it. And wherever that happens, Christianity is embracing its true nature and becoming a witness to the future of Christ. May it be so for each one of us and for our society too.